0: My name is Ruth McDonnell and I'm a children's librarian with East Lothian Library. Um, today's event will run for an hour and at the end there'll be, we'll set aside time for, for questions anyway, but if you don't get the chance to ask your question there's an opportunity for book signing and it'll be in the children's book tent just there. Um, if I could ask you to either turn mobile phones to off or silent please, because obviously if it goes off we will all just turn around and stare and see who it is so um, this morning it's my great pleasure to introduce a wonderful storyteller uh, i think she understands very well the uh, the teenage mind and the challenges of being a teenager she has a, a real talent for writing great stories as well though um, uh, her novel scarlet is shortlisted for this year's broad book award And uh, you may want to ask at your school or at the public library to be able to vote for what your favourite is in the the Broad Book Award. Um, It's my great pleasure to welcome Cathy Cassidy. Okay, thank you very
1: much, Ruth, and thank you everybody who's come here today. Brilliant for you all to have to have come along, and I'm so happy that the sun has come out as well. So it's not gonna—we're not hopefully gonna get soaked to death like like yesterday. Um, today, really, I wanted to talk about—it's kind of for me been a year of two and a half books. So although I'm billed to be talking about Sunday Girl, um, this book, there are actually another one and a half books I was going to mention too so quite a lot to actually say and um, although I always get really nervous at things like this I actually really enjoy coming to somewhere like Edinburgh and being able to talk to kids um, in more of an informal atmosphere really because quite often I do school visits um, and you, you kind of come into a school where there are lots of children who are probably quite interested in hearing whatever I've got to say but quite often around the sides of the room or the hall or whatever it is there are lots of teachers, and I'm, maybe there are some teachers here today, but hopefully they're not going to identify themselves. Um, and the kids are always very interested and keen to hear, you know, the kind of inspirations and the ideas and, you know, where, where the impulse to want to write stories comes from. But the teachers are always really hoping that you're going to mention things like grammar and spelling and metaphor. And then when I start talking about daydreaming and things like that, they all start to look a little bit pained and upset, you know, so it's kind of like a little bit worrying. Um, and it was even worse recently because I actually went and, and did a return visit to my old high school. And that was really, really scary. Because can you imagine, you know, if you're, if you're grown up and you go back to your old high school, what, what that might be like? And basically, a lot, not, not an awful lot actually had changed. It just seemed exactly the same. It was like walking right back into a time warp Um, even the uniform was exactly the way it had been. Some of the teachers were the same, and that's really scary because that that means they've been there for a very, very long time. And straight away, when I walked through the gates, I started to feel very, very guilty and and nervous and, you know, kind of quite anxious because there I was, I was walking, I wasn't in class. I should have been in class, and I wasn't. I didn't have my uniform on. And I hadn't done any homework, definitely, so I was really kind of, what's going on? It's not good. Um, and the teacher then, the uh, uh, head of English, had organised th- this this visit. And it, luckily it wasn't a teacher that I remembered, but she was asking if I would talk all about revision and study and um, homework and how that, you know, how that had shaped my writing career, which was really worrying because it wasn't really an awful lot I could say about that. Um, so my advice, really, to you all, um, hope for, hoping that the teachers who are here will just kind of keep their heads down, is, yes, keep on top of the study and the revision and the homework because if you keep all that under control, then hopefully the teachers won't notice or won't give you a hard time when you're doing the, the more interesting things, the daydreaming kind of things. Um, because, really, I think... If you can daydream a little bit, and school is a perfect place for daydreaming, I have to say, um, you, you're actually using your creative mind, using your imagination, and letting the ideas really run wild. Um, so, I don't know. I'm um, not sure if there's anybody here from last year. I've kind of it's it's taken me a very long time, but I over, over the years have kind of perfected my daydreaming skills, um, and just had a few tips to pass on for anybody who does like daydreaming. Any daydreamers here? Okay, come on, <laughs> just admit it. It's okay because you're not in school, it's fine. Um, because really that that was more or less the story of my school career. It was lots and lots of um, basically teachers would just come up and... and tell me off suddenly for daydreaming, and I hadn't even been aware I was doing it, I'd be kind of gazing out of the window into the distance, dreaming of something wonderful and exciting and romantic and dramatic happening to me, and really I was in the middle of a maths class, which is very sad. Um, but I always did get caught, and it always kind of ended up on my school report at the end of each year, which was, which was a problem. I you know, researched thoroughly what it's like to be in detention because of that as well. <laughs> Um, And that was good because when I did go back, they weren't allowed to put me in detention because when you're growing up, they can't do that really. So that was that was a good thing. Um, But if you want to daydream in class and get away with it and it does help you through, you know, it's definitely one of those things that will help you through your school career in some ways. Um, Don't ever look out of the window the way I used to do. Try and keep your mouth closed because mine was permanently kind of open like this. Look at the whiteboard or the smartboard and narrow your eyes slightly. Avoid any kind of faraway dreamy look and just kind of look thoughtful if possible. I can see a couple of people in the audience who are just leaning a chin on one hand. That is the perfect pose actually for daydreaming because if you do this and look very thoughtful while looking at the whiteboard, the teacher thinks that you're thinking all about whatever subject it is and hopefully you'll then get away with the daydreaming bit and they'll never know. So um, that way you can actually develop all your story ideas and dream about all the wonderful, fantastic, dramatic things that could be happening to you if you weren't kind of locked into a science lab. So, you know, all sorts of wonderful things could happen. And when I was probably about maybe about the age of 12 or 13, that was really when the story writing thing took off for me. It became really, really important for me to be able to write those daydreams down and kind of fix them onto paper. So dreaming these wonderful ideas, um, was brilliant, but being able to actually share them with people, put them down on paper, that became even more important. And um, anybody who has been here in in, um, maybe last year or the year before will know that from the age of about 13 onwards, I started writing my short stories, typing them up on my dad's old typewriter and sending them off through the post to my favourite teen magazine, which was Jackie. And that's one that I think the kids here will not remember, but possibly the parents will remember. Um, First British teenage magazine always had loads and loads of fiction, loads of short stories in it. So off those stories would go, probably one every two or three weeks, and then every single one of them came back again pretty soon afterwards, usually with a nice letter saying, you know, we really like your story. Keep trying, but not quite right this time. Um, but because, really, the letters were so kind and so nice, I kept going and kept going. And each, each time a story went away, it was a little bit better, maybe, than the one that had gone before. Um, and bit by bit, I learned how to write a short story. Now, I get an awful lot of emails to the website from, from children who love writing. Um, but quite often, they're, they're wanting to write a book. They're wanting to write something big, something, you know, with lots and lots of pages, lots and lots of words. And my advice really would be, if, there are, if there's anybody here who is quite keen on writing, is p- perhaps try starting with short stories, because that way you can actually s- get the structure of your story sorted out, because story really is what matters, whether or not it's a book-length thing or it's something shorter. So if you can get the beginning, the middle and the end kind of nailed and get your story so that it pulls people along, so they can't really, they don't even have the option to put it down, that's what you really need to do if you want to capture somebody's attention, and starting off writing a short story is is really really good training for doing that, and eventually then um, when I think when I was about sixteen, a different magazine published a story that I'd written, so that was fantastic and and you know made me feel great that I was doing something right, um, and it was a lot it took a lot lot longer really than before I actually began to write book length stories really very recently so the very first book length story that I ever managed to finish was the first book that I wrote I was dizzy so that's you can tell that it took quite a lot a lot longer from being a teenager hopefully writing the stories to actually getting a book done so don't be too ambitious to start with don't expect that you know you don't have to be published at the age of 12 or whatever and you know become a fantastic whiz and you know millionaire at, the, at that age, so take it kind of slowly and get the story right first, and then you can then you can build up and do bigger stories as, as you go, as you get more confident. So um, another question that I am often asked is is really why do you want to write? And for me, the answer always would involve the daydreaming thing. It's because really you know, if you're addicted to daydreaming, it is quite nice to share the daydream. It's nice to have something constructive to do with the daydream as well. One of one of the ideas in the back of my mind when I did go back to my old high school was maybe to say something to the teachers like, look, it wasn't a waste of time and you shouldn't really have told me off all that time about it because, you know, writers, that's what they do really. You're daydreaming for a living. So, I never actually had the courage to do it when I was there. <laughs> I was kind of like, no, they're gonna they're gonna shout at me, can't do it. So um, but so the daydreaming is definitely one of the reasons for writing. But also at the age of 12, 13, 14, it was to create a more exciting world. Um, and now um, also also a lot of emails that I get are kind of asking in letters, they're saying, Well, you know, did that happen to you? You know, did this did, did you know did you get kind of taken away when you were a child to live with travellers or is that your story, is that what Dizzy's all about or, you know, whatever, whatever the plot of the particular book that they've, that they've read, they want to know if that happened to me. And that's actually a really nice compliment for any writer because I think that that means that whoever's reading it believes that what has, what has been written maybe is rooted in reality, but really what it means to me is that they're actually seeing the daydream as vividly as I saw it when I was writing. So that's fantastic, but a lot of the impulse to write is really to create wonderful characters and wonderful situations a little bit more interesting than the ones that I came across when I was that age. So um, I I spent lots of my teen years kind of holed up in in the box room, which was my bedroom writing stories, or reading my way through Jackie magazine, which was full of fantastic stories of, of adventure, romance, and drama. And I used to wonder why none of that ever happened to me, why nothing quite that thrilling would ever happen to me. And my life was just kind of, you know, put on your school tie, go to school and get told off for daydreaming. And it wasn't ever quite the way it was in the stories. So being able to kind of create your own stories where you're the one who pulls the strings and, and you know, decides what happens. You know, you can, you can write yourself into any fantastic scenario and, and really enjoy it and believe it. And it's like, if, if you know, there may be people here who've never got to go away for a summer holiday this year or whatever. I haven't, actually, because I've kind of been stuck tied to my laptop trying to write the next book. Um, but when you, when you escape yourself into a daydream or write a story, you can make anything anything happen at all. So that's one of the wonderful things about writing and also about reading, because you can open somebody else's book and story and just disappear right into it and really kind of go for it. So that's fantastic. Um, And ideas is another thing that that people will quite often ask, where do you get your ideas from? And that was really what I was going to talk about when I talk about these books um, in a minute, kind of where some of the ideas for the stories have come from. But ideas come from all over the place anyway. Um, Maybe some of you have got ideas yourselves about where you might get inspiration for stories. I don't know if anybody's brave enough to kind of um, share those. Anybody got any Suggestions for where where ideas for stories might come from. Anybody going to be brave? Let's just shout out. Home, Home, things that happen at home. Experiences, Experiences, excellent things that have happened to you. Newspapers Newspapers or magazines. Really loud shout at the back. Other Other stories, things that you've read. Um, And linked into that, just just kind of, it could be things that you've seen on TV, it could be movies, things like that. Um, It might even be PlayStation games, it could be music, sometimes the lyrics of a song might set you off thinking about something. It could be a picture, a photograph, an image, anything like that. Um, Something, a story somebody tells you. One of my favourite things is, um, I managed to do a lot of travelling on trains when going to do school visits and festivals and things. And... um, glimpsing little stories out of, out of um, the window of a fast-moving train is fantastic because you'll get a little glimpse of something but you don't really know what's going on and you can make up all of the rest of it. So ideas are everywhere and what you do with them then is really daydream around the idea or the little spark that's kind of got you thinking and see what you can do with it and see what you can make with that idea. And this morning, yesterday, we came up to Edinburgh um, came up with my family and we we're staying overnight in a hotel and this morning, at a really unearthly hour, there was a horrible siren went off all the way through the hotel and we were like, ah! Nobody was really dressed, and we hadn't eaten anything, we weren't kind of ready for, for this kind of scary thing to be happening. And it was actually a fire alarm right the way through the hotel and we rang down to reception, what's going on, what's going on, they get, get out, everybody get out! So. The whole of the hotel basically evacuated and came and had to stand on the pavement opposite, which was was quite scary. Um, Not because there was kind of billows of smoke pouring out of the windows, but because everybody was wearing their pyjamas, curlers, etc. Some poor guy was still in his underpants and somebody had to lend him a coat. And it was... You know, there's things like that, actually. You think, well, that is quite weird. You know, all of the time there are stories going on around you and you never know which ones might be significant, which ones you could maybe daydream a little bit about and maybe they would then turn into a story. You're never quite sure. So always, always have your eyes open for things that are going on around you. There's something funny happening, something sad happening, something exciting or dramatic or romantic. And if you just switch your head on to the, to that kind of zone where you're looking for all that, okay, pay attention, do the people-watching thing, okay, then you'll be aware of it, and you'll notice, and that's, that's whether you're a, a writer or just a daydreamer, it's really great to have those little things kind of feeding into your imagination slowly, and um, I've got a little notebook with me today, it's a strange one, um, I bought this one actually, this notebook, because it's, it's one that has some little notes and bits and pieces and scribbles about one of the books that, um, that I'm going to talk about today. Um, but I actually have lots and lots of notebooks. I have notebooks for every occasion. I have a fantastic one that sits on my desk at home that was actually made by one of my readers and it's kind of a diary, completely personalised and illustrated and it's fantastic. That's, that's brilliant. I have lots of little scruffy ones that come with me in my bag at occasions like this. Um, But if you're interested in ideas, if you're interested in writing and dreaming, have a notebook with you because you're never going to be stuck then for for somewhere to just jot down your ideas. You can write something down. Maybe one day it'll turn into a story, a poem, a book, a song lyric, a play. Who knows, Okay. Um, But have your notebooks with you because you'll never regret it. And even if you're just going to write down some mad story that happened to you, treat it as like a kind of diary or scribble in it, draw in it, any of that. So, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the three books, or the two and a half books, okay, um, that have come out this year, and the first one is Sunday Girl, okay, and this is what I'm supposed to be talking about today, so that, that is kind of a good place to start, and for me, this has some very strange memories linked into the Edinburgh Festival because I don't know if there is anybody here who was here last year. But last year, um, at the very end, I was asking if anyone had any questions, and somebody at the back asked me what my next book was going to be about. And the next book was Sunday Girl, although it didn't exist as a proper book at that point. And um, so I began to tell the audience about the book. I said, it's all about a girl with a very embarrassing family. And I decided to ask, this was my bad move, my foolish move. I said, does anybody here have an embarrassing family? And I don't know why I did that because, okay, this year they're not here, okay? I've made sure that they're not here. But last year, my children were here. They were sitting right there. They're teenagers. They're now aged 13 and 15. Their hands were up in the air before I'd even finished asking that question because they think they have the most embarrassing family in the world. And I kind of went to sort of attractive purple color. I mean, kind of ashamed. Um, because basically I think one of the things about being your age, you always you always kind of think that your parents are, you know, they're just trying to embarrass you no matter what. And, uh, and I decided after last year, after that kind of ritual humiliation at the Edinburgh Book Festival, that I would just enjoy it. Maybe that's what parents are for. Perhaps that's our purpose in life. It is just to thoroughly embarrass our children as often as possible. There's got to be some... Advantages to being the parent of a preteen stroke teenager. So I think let's go for it and just, just enjoy it. Um, and basically, the character of Jude in Sunday Girl is pretty mortified by her family, and they are slightly more embarrassing than the average family, um, which, which is fine, except that Jude really doesn't want her friends to know this. She wants to fit in and be just like everybody else and that is not really going to happen. And I just wanted to read you just a tiny extract from the very, very start of chapter one, just to give you a flavour of the book. And it all starts um, just before the year eight parents' night. So Jude is just thinking over Um, her reactions to what parents' night might be like and her views on it are slightly different than the usual views that people might have. So this is what she's thinking. Nobody likes parents' night, do they? It's when the truth comes out. Your parents discover that you haven't been wearing your nice maroon St. Joseph's blazer. You've only handed in one maths homework since September and you're hanging out with a gang of scary year tens who have love and hate scrawled across their knuckles in black marker pen. That's the kind of thing most kids are stressing about anyhow. Not me. I have a pretty good record when it comes to tests, homework and school uniform. My friends are sensible, reliable and hard-working. My teachers like me. What do I have to be worried about? Where do you want me to start? I'm not worried that my parents' family will find out the truth about school. I'm more anxious that school will find out the truth about my family. Parents' night, I I hate it so much that when I was in year seven, I threw away the letters inviting my family along and told them that St. Joseph's didn't do them. Are you sure? Mum had asked doubtfully. That seems very strange. Seriously, I said, they think it's old-fashioned. Mum had raised an eyebrow but I got away with it. I thought I might get away with it right through secondary school. Of course I was wrong. So things kind of go from bad to worse. All of Jude's worst nightmares come true because her family turn out in force at parents' night. Her dad is an Elvis impersonator and he appears wearing a full white rhinestone catsuit only thinly disguised with an overcoat. Her mum and her very sweet but very embarrassing grandparents also appear and Jude just thinks her whole life is over especially when a very cute but clumsy boy from her year decides that he quite, quite has taken a shine to her and decides to trail around after her for the whole evening. Um, she really can't risk anybody getting close to her in case they find out what her family are really like. For Sunday Girl, lots and lots of details of my growing up years actually went into into the story. Um, the school that I revisited is the school more or less in Sunday Girl. The name is different, but lots lots of you know the whole style of what that school is like um, is basically the same. So. Lots of things from your experience in life feed into the things that you write. Um, I even set it in the town or the city of Coventry which is where I grew up and that was quite interesting to do as well. Um, so, and, and then lots of other imaginary things and things that have come from elsewhere fed into the story. Um, it definitely has a little bit of an ice cream theme in it, so one way to celebrate the book on, you know, if, if we are going to get some sunshine today is go and help yourself to a nice ice cream out there while um, enjoying the rest of the festival. But I think hopefully a nice summer read, some funny bits, but also some sad bits too that will tug at your heartstrings a wee bit, so Sunday Girl, and that was published in April. Um, This is the half book, okay, now I can't talk very much about this little book, I don't know if anybody got this book, Love, Peace and Chocolate, yes, okay, oh excellent, some have brought it along, that's nice. Love, Peace and Chocolate was a mini book that was given free with um, April, kind of mid-April edition of Ms. Magazine and it was kind of like a little freebie for for any keen readers. and it's not actually available to buy in the shops. So sadly, if you didn't get your hands on it then, you probably won't be able to get hold of it now because it's kind of become quite, um, it's, just, it's just not available really. But um, if you've got it, brilliant, because it's, it's you know, completes your set of Cathy Cassidy books, I guess. I wanted to just mention it briefly, though, because I was talking about where ideas come from. And quite often, one of the places I haven't mentioned for where ideas come from is that actually authors quite often get their ideas from you. And a lot of the the stuff in Love, Peace and Chocolate um, came directly from my fans, including the title. Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about my website in a minute, but um, about a year or so ago, when I was writing Love, Peace and Chocolate, I'd been asked to write a, a mini book, a short kind of book, and the theme of it had to be friendship. So it was about two girls in high school who fall out over a boy. Um, lots of kind of rock band background and fun stuff like that. But I didn't really have a title. But at the time, a girl was emailing me who signed every email off with, with the slogan, love, peace and chocolate. And I thought that was lovely. And I was like, you know, lots, lots of readers will, will have something kind of quite quirky and cool that they'll sign their emails off with. But I really like this. And I began thinking about it. And I decided, really, there isn't very much else you need in life apart from love, peace and chocolate, particularly, you know, not just for females, but I just think those are the basics, really. So what more do you need? And it seemed like the perfect title for the book. Um, I also managed to scoop names for my main characters um, from real life. One of the names came from a girl that I'd met at a book awards ceremony. Her name was Katie Katie Louise, and I thought she had a very cool name. So I asked permission, I always ask permission if I'm going to do this. Um, Can I use your name in a book? And that was fine. And the other main character's name was Jess. And again, lots and lots of girls called Jess were emailing at that time. So I thought that would be a great name to use. Um, And another girl won a competition to have her name mentioned in the book. So it was definitely a book inspired by my fans. Um, And the third book of the year is Lucky Star. Now this has just been out, for I think it's less than a fortnight, so um, it's it's brand new. It's also the very first time I've had a hardback book, which is very, very exciting. It's, it's just, it's quite glam and gorgeous and kind of cool, I think, so um, still quite excited by that. I was going to tell you a little bit about this. Again, the story really not so much inspired by my readers as demanded by my readers, because when my very first book, Dizzy, was published, I had an avalanche of emails and letters from kids all asking, please, will you ever do a follow-up or a sequel for Dizzy? And in particular, they wanted a happy ending for the one character in Dizzy who really didn't get a happy ending to his story. And that character was a little boy called Mouse, who was just seven going on eight in the story of Dizzy. Um... And he was quite troubled, had a lot of problems in his life. Um, and I kind of left him very, very meanly. I left him just going into foster care, I think, and heading off for London, whereas everybody else in the story had a great ending. And I began to feel a little bit guilty about Mouse and wondering whether I could do something to try and tidy up the loose ends for him. Um, and I, I did think maybe maybe not with any other book will I ever do a sequel, but perhaps I could go back and write a little bit more about that one character so after a while, um, the idea for Lucky Star began to kind of take shape in my, in my mind, and it, it was really, it was to jump ahead to when Mouse was 14, um, so lots of, lots of things have happened, lots of time has gone by, um, and also it was quite a challenge, because I wanted to write it from his point of view, and that was great, to write, the, you know, kind of from the point of view of a 14-year-old boy, and hopefully... That's not going to put off any of any of the girls from reading it because most girls are quite interested in what a 14-year-old boy might be like. There's just a slight interest going on there. Um, and boys, hopefully, will enjoy the book too because I do also get a little bit of stick, especially when I go to, school, to schools um, and libraries, from boys who say, well, we really like the books, but they're a bit girly and they're always from a girl's point of view. So maybe we will get a few more boys reading the stories um, if they're you know able to identify with the main characters a little bit more so um i'm going to read you a little bit from the start of lucky star um and it's introducing mouse now as he is and he's kind of if you've read dizzy you'll remember that he was the kind of boy who would always get himself into trouble he kind of has he's a, a a Big attraction for trouble. No matter what he does, no matter how hard he tries to keep out of trouble, he just can't. It's, it's just something that's always going to be there for him. So at the very, very beginning of this book, he's writing a letter to his head teacher. Um, and that will kind of set the scene a little bit for what he's been up to recently. So this is Mouse and his letter. Dear Mr. Brown. I know how mad you are with me right now and you have every right to be but I just wanted to say that I am really, really sorry. I just didn't think that you'd get so upset about a little bit of paint but I know better now obviously. I don't even know why I did it except that I like graffiti art and I honestly thought that the wall by the gym could do with some brightening up. I guess I was wrong about that. I know now that you prefer that wall to be grey and that you really didn't like the stars and spirals and rainbows that I sprayed all over it. I admit that writing school is cancelled until further notice on the wall was not very clever, even though it seemed funny at the time. I'm sorry that some of the kids who saw it decided to use it as an excuse to go right on home. I'm also sorry that my spelling wasn't too good And I know that was what tipped you off that I was to blame. That and the paint on my fingers. Well, I want you to know that I have learned my lesson. Dave, you remember Dave, my social worker, says that I have messed up one time too many and I need to wise up and make amends or my school career will be down the pan. If you like, I will come into school and paint the whole lot out with grey emulsion paint. So the wall is back to being plain and dull and crumbly. I would have done that already, except for being excluded and everything. Mum says that if you see me anytime soon with a bucket of paint, you'll most likely call the police and I guess she has a point. Anyway, I have turned over a new leaf. I am not going to tag any more walls unless they are very neglected and really need livening up and only then if I get permission from the government or something. I'm also going to work on my spelling, seriously. If you're wondering how come my spelling is so good in this letter, it's because I did it on Dave's computer and used the spell check as I know that stuff like that matters to you. I know you said my future at Greenvale Comprehensive is hanging in the balance, but I want you to know that your talk the other day has really made me think. I didn't say much, but I was taking it all in, I swear. I will be a model pupil from now on i hope that you will give me one more chance and i promise never to spray paint the school again no matter what yours faithfully mouse martin kavanagh form 9b so that is where mouse is starting from you can tell that he has had a kind of dodgy career up until that point but he really is trying to turn over a new leaf and be a bit of a reformed character because he knows that things will go seriously wrong if he doesn't keep his nose clean. And all of that seems to be going very, very well until he runs into a girl called Kat, who really isn't interested in being good. She's much, much more interested in being bad. And she thinks that Mouse could be her ticket to a much more exciting life, and that together the two of them could get up to all sorts of dodgy stuff and dodgy tricks. A Mouse is really ending up trying to keep her on the straight and narrow. So all sorts of fun stuff will go on between them. Um, All of the starry stuff in the book is kind of um, a development of some of the stuff that was in Dizzy. Because in Dizzy the stars are quite important and that becomes even more important in Lucky Star. Um, and Lucky is actually a character in this book as well. I'm not going to tell you who Lucky is, but there is a character called Lucky also. So anybody who buys the book will find out. This is really the character that binds everybody together in the story. Um, for the first time, I really set a book in inner city London. Um, Mouse comes from a very rough estate in London. Cat, the girl that he meets, comes from a much, a much better kind of middle class um, you know, suburban kind of area, and the two of them make quite an interesting combination and get up to all kinds of tricks together. Um, So that's really what the story is about. It's kind of about friendship, a bit about falling in love, and also about standing up for what you believe in, because the two, well, the the main characters come up against all kinds of dilemmas, and, and, you know, will they be brave enough to actually stand up for what they know is right? Or, you know, will they just take the easy options? So there's, there's kind of a bit more drama than in some of the stories. So that, hopefully, um, should make for quite an interesting read. Um, I was quite interested. My daughter bought a copy of Ms. Magazine yesterday um, to read on the train, and I was, I was quite excited because Lucky Star is actually on the cover. Um, and I thought I'd just tell you very, very briefly about this, because Ms. Um, and Puffin are doing a fantastic competition that's linked to the new book, Lucky Star, um, where you actually, if you if you enter the competition, we're, we're thinking about all sorts of starry stuff. Um, and I think, you know, you, you can be all kinds of different ways of, of being a star, and, and maybe all of you have some star quality of your own in a, in a strange kind of way. You might have different skills, perhaps, you know, brilliant talent at doing something, at acting, at singing, at making something, at being arty, at at whatever it is. You may just be a really perfect friend, a really, really good friend, somebody very trustworthy or special, um, very loyal. So whatever your star quality is, this really is an an opportunity for you to tell us about it. And what you have to do is is, um, describe your star quality on an A4 sheet of paper, either with words or with pictures or photos or a combination of all of those things. Um, and send it in and the prize is a fantastic VIP day out in London So you get to come with your best friend um, and get a fantastic VIP tour um, of all the brilliant sites in London including the London Eye, which is on, on the cover of the book um, all sorts of stuff all around London, and then join a very special friendship festival, um, which will be going on at Greenwich Observatory. We chose that because they have a fantastic planetarium and all sorts of wonderful starry stuff going on down there. Um, So I'm going to bring my camper van, Um, and do a little friendship festival there which hopefully anybody can come along and join in with and definitely the winners will be able to join in with that and then we'll have a star show and a dinner so that would be a really cool competition if anybody would like a really fab starry day out in London later on in the year so Ms, definitely worth checking out for more information about that and also, if you'd like more information on the competition, you'll find that on my website as well. I've got some free newsletters, which anybody who buys a book and comes to get it signed later will be able to pick up one of the newsletters. But um, another exciting thing that happened to me this year is, is uh, my, my website had a great makeover, um, thanks to Puffin, and it's, it's got lots more exciting stuff on it. Um, so all sorts of things now. You'll find out about the competition, um, the VIP London competition. There's also a writing competition, so anybody here who is keen on writing, you'll, you'll find lots of info out. My top tips for anybody who likes writing of any description. Um, and a competition, one of the things I said I'd been inspired by before is song lyrics, um, and the competition for writers at the moment on the website is to write a story or a poem that's inspired by a song title, any song title at all and you can do a piece of work based on that. That, I think, runs until the end of September, and there'll be lots of um, cool writer-y prizes for that. So that is worth checking out. But also, if you buy a copy of Sunday Girl or Lucky Star today, maybe you can write a review. Tell me what you think of the book and post your review online. Lots and lots of reviews of all the books. Um, If you haven't read many of the books yet, you can go and check out which ones you might like and read a sample chapter of each one online. There are also some really cool freebies that you can download and do your very own friendship festival. Perhaps when you go back to school, um, or good thing to do at a sleepover maybe with friends. Um, lots and lots of fun stuff. Because I think really one one theme that runs through all of the books that I've written um, is about friendship and how it kind of it's one of those things that glues everybody together. Whatever your age, friendship is really important so it's it's well worth celebrating it either with a book or a competition or just by showing your friends that you really care so have a special sleepover do something fun or come along to the friendship festival in london um i'm going to give you all a chance to ask questions if anybody has any in a minute um just trying to think what else yeah a couple of other things you can do on the website you can send in your photographs and maybe we'll get some photographs of people today um after the session, so maybe you'll see some photos of you online, um, but you can send your pictures of you and your friends in and they can be posted up. You can send a picture of your favourite character from Sunday Girl or Lucky Star. I haven't got any pictures yet of the characters from Lucky Star, so it'd be very, very cool to get some of those online soon. Um, you can even just send your poetry or your pieces, short pieces of writing for um, a page called Your Writing all of that. So lots of forums for you to get involved and actually get, you know, become a part of the website. And you can sign up for a free online newsletter as well. So we've got the paper newsletter that you can get when you come and get a book signed today. But also every month there's, there's a little online newsletter that tells you anything new that's going on, whether there are new competitions that you should know about, whether there are any freebies going, what's happening so and if you've got any nosy questions and you just don't want to ask them today then email them to me and and eventually it may take me a while but i will answer every single one and if i don't answer then it's probably because my computer has an allergy to your email address otherwise i will definitely answer okay sometimes things just ping straight back into my inbox i think that's it i think um basically A little bit about the books, a little bit about the website, so you can check out and find a little bit more about those things if you want. And I wanted to leave plenty of time for you if anybody has got any nosy questions. Um, Nothing about maths and science, though, because I was daydreaming in those lessons. Okay, thank you very much. Now I think we've got a roving mic, hopefully, for anybody who's got any, any questions that they would like answered. So don't be shy, um, let me know anything you'd like to know more about. Are any of your books due to be made into a film? No, that would be great. I do get quite a few emails and letters from people saying, why don't you make your books into a film? And I did actually, last year I had a great email from, from um, two girls who said they'd already got their dresses sorted out for the premiere and could they be in the film? And they knew what they were wearing and everything, could, could I just get it organised quickly please so that they didn't get too old to play the characters? But I love that and I wish, I wish things like that could happen kind of by magic but that's something that's not really in my control. So all I would say is that if any of you here have any great contacts in the film world, if you know any producers or directors or Mr Spielberg or anybody like that, just have a word with them and maybe hand them a book. That would be really cool. I'd love that. And I also think some of the books maybe would make good TV series, so it might, it might be fab. Just keep fingers crossed for me. It'd be really fun, I think, if that happened. Um, if you could be a character for a day out of all your books, what would you be? Right, that's a really good question. The problem with answering questions like that is that I don't like settling on just one person. It would be—it would be really um, one of the one of the other reasons I've written these books is because I want to be lots of different people. I would like to try out what it's like to be Scarlet and be in trouble all the time. Um, I'd love to be dizzy and go to a festival and sort of have, you know, have all of those experiences too. Um, there is actually a character in Driftwood who's, who is a very thinly veiled version of me. The Miss Quinn, the art teacher, is very much um, what I used to be like when I taught art in a high school, um, right down to the, to the fact that I did have animals concealed in my stock cupboard at one point, and, you know, all sorts of strange children lurking about the, the classroom at lunchtime. So she probably is the closest to me. I think it would be fun to be Scarlet because, because she is so fearless. Quite often, when, I, when, I was, when Scarlet was the newest book and I was, I was going out and about talking about that, people would say, was that you? Were you really, really naughty at school? And I actually wasn't really naughty at school. I was probably much more like Jude in Sunday Girl, quite shy and quite you know wanting to fit in really. But I would have loved to have been a rebel like Scarlett. And there's, I think in every single person there is, there is a streak of rebelliousness. It would have been great to be that kind of person who just would go for it and not, not quite care. But I'd really, I'd kind of love to be most of those characters and just try them out and see what they're like.
0: Has any author in, as a child in, did you
1: inspiration from? I had lots of authors that I really liked, but um, I probably didn't, I didn't have one particular person that I wanted to be like, because I, I think when I was younger, I didn't realize that I was allowed to be a writer. I didn't think it was the sort of thing that you could actually do. Um, it, it seemed quite a, quite a strange and wonderful career, and not all of my teachers were encouraging. Some of them were, but you know, sometimes if you come out with things like this, um, You know, in those days, the teachers would go, don't be so silly. You know, why don't you get a nice job in the office or something like that? So um, I I think I loved reading things by people like C.S. Lewis and Enid Blyton when I was younger. Um, Arthur Ransom, all sorts of, you know, wonderful storytellers, really. But I didn't know much about those people. I had no idea who they were, what their lives were like, what it might be like to be a writer. And I suppose it's not quite the answer to your question, but the closest I ever came to seeing what a writer would be like was watching a film, I think I may have said this last year, a film of the railway children where the mum starts writing stories to try and make money for the family. Um, And she always buys cream cakes when she sells a story. And I remember thinking, that's what a writer does. That sounds fantastic. So daydreaming, writing stories and... Buying lots of cream cakes always seemed like a great career, but I never actually met a real-life author until I was really quite old, okay? So I've actually, since becoming a writer myself, I've come across lots of really inspiring authors, fantastic people. But when I was your age, it didn't seem like the kind of thing that maybe, you know, real ordinary people did. But I'd really like to tell you that it is. If that's your dream, whatever your dream is, go for it. it. doesn't matter. Don't wait until you come across somebody and think, oh, maybe I could do that. Whatever it, your dream happens to be, go for it. You will have to work really hard to make it happen, whatever it is. But don't ever be put off by the fact that somebody says you can't do it or maybe it shouldn't happen. Okay. Are you planning to write a new book soon? Right, I am actually in the middle of writing a new book soon and this is why I ought to be tied to my laptop at all times but it is the summer holidays and I've got lots of lovely people staying um, and I really don't want to, you, you know, kind of, kind of spend every waking moment but I'm in the middle of a story that I'm really enjoying and it's called Ginger Snaps um, and luckily my children aren't here there's nothing they can say that can embarrass me about this but it's about a girl with very, very long um, red hair who's been teased about that in the past and she kind of reinvents herself. There's also a very cool boy who's slightly weird um, who plays the saxophone and there's a fox also in the story. So there's kind of things that are going to come into that story. Um, Again, it's really a, a book about friendship and a book about fitting in. Um, it's lots of fun to be in the middle of it at the moment, but I can't, because I'm bang in the middle of it, I'm not really going to give away any more of the story than that, because sometimes if you talk too much about it, you don't actually get it written. But I reckon, I think Ginger Snaps will be out about this time next year. So I think, um, yeah, so a little a little bit of a wait, and hopefully that will give me a chance to get it finished. I need to get it finished in the next couple of months. So... Do you find
0: it easier to write a story from a boy's point of view or a girl's point of view?
1: Actually, um, I think it doesn't really matter as long as you get the voice, as long as you imagine yourself in that character. And that's, one of the, that's also one of the nice addictive things about writing a book. Um, I did worry a little bit when I was writing Lucky Star whether I would be able to write convincingly as a boy's character. Um, and I actually started off when I began writing this book, alternating between the two main characters, Mouse the boy and Cat the girl, and that didn't, didn't quite work for me. And I think the reason for that is because I love to just become the person that I'm writing as in the story. And to me, it didn't really matter whether he was a boy or not. I knew him well because I'd knew, known him from the first book, Dizzy. Um, and you, it, you know, this is why it's fun. You're asking before what which character would you like to be? I feel as though I've kind of been a lot of these characters anyway because I've imagined what it would be like to be them and hopefully if you do that, that's why those characters kind of, you know, become vivid and come to life. So it wasn't as difficult as I imagined it would be Um, and hopefully he's quite convincing, Um, but he is kind of a quirky, strange boy anyway, so hopefully that's that's, uh, acceptable.
0: Are you going to write books for adults, or are you going to stick to children?
1: That's a good question. That reminds me, I was in a, I was in a primary school doing a talk um, last year, and a little boy said, well, what are you going to do when you're grown up? Well, aren't you going to do something proper? You know, <laughs> well, you write some real grown-up books one day." But actually, I don't know whether it is maybe because maybe because I'm kind of stuck in that particular zone of writing for your age group it is the age group I really love writing for and there isn't really at the moment there are no plans to write for a different age group if I moved I would probably just perhaps do slightly older teen I think as my as my kids get slightly older I'm getting all sorts of interesting material coming (laughs) past me I'm thinking no probably couldn't use that but (laughs) but it's interesting but no I think what interests me, I think, so much about your age group is that you're right on the edge of something really fantastic, really exciting. You're not children anymore, you're not adults, but you are on the edge of, you know, of adolescence, of, of growing up, and anything is possible. And I love that moment, you know, where you're kind of, you, you're realising that maybe fairies don't live at the bottom of the garden, um, the way you thought when you were about five. But there is a different sort of magic that is woven in and out of of everything around you. And if you can actually learn to see that magic that's in real life, even when real life throws some real dodgy stuff at you, if you can see the magic, that is what will keep you going strong all the way through your teens. And hopefully hang on to that all the way through life as well, because that doesn't have to go away. you know i think that's the magic of being being that age and it's why i think i like writing for your age group so much because there's so much possibility so much potential you can do anything you like and that is fantastic it's exciting what's your favorite book you've written and why i think at, well i don't know anybody who has been here in past years will know be able to predict the answer to that but the answer at the moment is lucky star um, the reason is because my favourite character of all is Mouse and I think even even in the past when, you know, I'm, Mouse has been one of my favourite characters all along um, and I so wanted him to have a happy ending and I, I really liked the way that he kind of seemed to turn out but if you ask me that question next year, I'll probably say Ginger Snaps. It'll be the new book, you know, and I don't know why that is. I think it's when you've made something new. It's, it's brand new, it's exciting, and it is full of possibilities, so I would probably say that. But um, you do have favourites in the books that you've written, and Lucky Star, I think, will always be a favourite. Um, but I could say something nice about every book, but I think this is exciting. It's got a cool cover, it's hardback, it's got mouse in, all sorts of fantastic starry stuff. Um, a little bit edgier than some of the books and also not quite as sad as some books are. So really, you know, I I don't know, kind of special to me at the moment. But ask me again next year and it could be quite a different answer. Who designed the front cover of your books? Um, They're actually different, different designers. The first two books were designed by a guy in Puffin. The second two books were designed by a different guy in Puffin. And these two books designed by a fantastic female artist called Sarah in Puffin. Um, She is very, very clever, and I think she's my favourite cover artist at the moment. I really, really love the Sunday Girl cover with its amazing pink Cadillac car and strawberries and swirly, whirly writing. And this I just think is so cool because black and silver, very, very good colours. And I hope that Sarah keeps doing the cover designs inside the books. there are little kind of vignette drawings at the top of each chapter, and I do those, which is lots of fun to do, um, kind of just to give you a flavour of what's, what's, in the, what's in each chapter. But I know that I couldn't do the covers for the books. They're just really, really beautiful and cool. And I love all the shiny bits too. They're kind of, you know, really metallics and things. So um, Puffin are brilliant, and Sarah is my very fave artist, I think. She needs her own bit on the website, really.
0: Um, Where did you get the storyline from Dizzy from?
1: The storyline from Dizzy, it kind of started to evolve because it's it's got a lot of stuff about New Age travellers and hippy-dippy kind of people in it. And long ago, I, well, still do actually, have quite a few friends who, who are traveller-ish, hippy-dippy kind of friends. And I loved their lifestyle. I loved all of the kind of strange things that you would do. You know, going to a festival and, you know, living in a teepee or a tent. I don't know, some of you who have done your research on the website might know that one of the first things I did when I sold my book Dizzy was go and buy a teepee and put it in the garden and and the camper van that I have that I trawl around to the friendship festivals in is exactly like the the camper van on the cover of Dizzy so for me it was kind of a bit of wish fulfilment you know I'd like to live that lifestyle but maybe not really maybe actually living you know hand to mouth and going from festival to festival all year round and living in a teepee might be quite a hard life Um, and although I was fascinated by the friends I had who did that lifestyle, I began to wonder what it might be like if you were, you know, perhaps if you lived a very ordinary, normal kind of a life, perhaps at your age, and then suddenly got transplanted and, and put right in the middle of that whole weird hippy-dippy festival world. And that, the idea behind that, you know, trying to wonder what it would be like if, if you suddenly woke up and found yourself surrounded by people who lived their lives a really, really different way. That was quite interesting and it's kind of little, little nuggets of an idea like that and you daydream about that and the character of Dizzy came and you know, some, some of the dodgy adults that are lurking around the festival scene and it, you know, it kind of grew from there. It's the daydreaming thing, really. I think we've
0: probably got time for just maybe one, two more questions. Brilliant. More.
1: Fantastic. If you could go to see any author at this book festival, who would it be? Do you know, I would love to have seen Jacqueline Wilson just earlier and I thought I probably shouldn't because, um, because then I would probably, I don't know, probably be gutted and, and feel really, really kind of, oh, no, I can't follow that kind of thing. But I think she's fab. I really like her stuff because she's one of the first um, authors in Britain who began writing kind of that kind of real-life, coming-of-age sort of story um, and really created the market for the kind of books that I love to write. Um, and I think a lot of I mean obviously of kids of your age but a lot of people really really respect and admire her and I would love to see her actually doing an event and and you know see what she has to say and I know that she's a daydreamer too because uh, the title of her new book is Jackie Daydream and I think that's that's her story so I'm I'm kind of we've just bought that book this morning so I'm very interested to see how other writers minds work really Um, but I love seeing any author actually it's it's brilliant to actually check how other people work because there is no one way and every everybody has a different style and a different way of, of working and it's it's brilliant to see how other people kind of operate and how they tick. So, have got one more? One, one more, I think. One more. Um, what is it that you like about Mouse? I think it's because he's so naughty and he tries really, really hard to be good but it just doesn't work. You know, I don't know, sometimes if you... If you've ever had a go yourself at trying to be, I've got to get this right, I've got to be good, I've got to make it work, and everything just goes wrong around you. Sometimes the more you want something, the more you attract trouble. And he really, it's almost as though he has magnets in, you know, hidden in his shoes or his coat or something because trouble just flies at him from every direction. The harder he tries, the worse it gets. And just when he thinks he's hooked up with a really nice kind of girl who'll keep him on the straight and narrow, it turns out that she is not looking for that at all. She's just looking for trouble. So he just, I don't know, hes, he's I do have a fascination for for characters like Mouse and like Scarlet from the book Scarlet, who, who are kind of slightly rebellious. But he is also, I mean, Mouse is a character with a lot of, He's, he has very strong morals, he knows what's right and wrong and even though he might do dodgy things like at the beginning of this book he's obviously done something very bad to his school gym wall but there is a part of him that knows what is right and wrong in the world and he, he is unshakable in that and I love that, that he has very strong ideas about right and wrong and will stick to them no matter what so he is actually a very moral boy in a very kind of, I, I don't know uh, I, do, I do sometimes get emails about the boy characters in my book, and I have a feeling I will get a few about Mouse. Um, certainly Kian from Scarlet and Finn from, from Dizzy have their own little fan clubs, really, from girls who'd like to...